0: really is such an unusual story. Very few people I don't think ever really look at the story to get the wealth that's in it. Sometimes you have to dig into the Hebrew in order to get that because you know what's significant here is, you know, for the Jews, when you're buried, you you there's a little season and then they go and they they pull you out of the cave and they just take your bones, that's all that's left, put you in a little box. So moving bodies is is the normal thing to do through historically for the Jews. So for her to be left beside the road Instead of where she should be in Hebron. and that just something really unusual had to happen there for that to happen. So, um, but let's just let's just kind of go back in history with her. Back before all of that happened, she was married to Jacob, and he loved, loved, loved her, and he had Leah, and Leah immediately gets pregnant, starts having kids, and when she stops, and but Rachel just can't have kids yet and her barrenness was so bad that she said, you know, I've got this servant called Bilha. Sleep with her so that she can bear children for me and I too can build a family through her. They're always fighting these creative ways. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife. The first son is named Dan, which means God has vindicated me. Alright? So that's important to remember. God has... So there's this battle between her and Leah. You know Jacob loves Rachel best, but Leah's getting all the kids. And there's just you know, so Bill has second son. Is even more interesting. It says and Rachel's made Bill had hun- conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, "With great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed." So she called his name Naphtali. Now it looks like. There in English, she says she defeated her sister. But that phrase, great wrestlings in Hebrew is uh, Elohim Naftul, which means wrestling with God. Now, that's pretty prophetic when you realize that this scripture or that... When that happens is quite a few years in the future when Jacob will literally wrestle with God and have his name changed to Israel because he prevailed. So we have this unusual connection now to this future time right around where all this other stuff happens. And then it says, then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph. Which means, Jehovah has added. Now, you should know the name also implies that God healed her womb so that she can continue to have children. In other words, uh, more and more and more he's added. So, may the Lord add to me another son. That's another meaning of his name. So, Joseph was born near the end of Tammuz, right? Pretty close to where we're at on the calendar. So now back to the last part of Jeremiah's prophecy about Rachel weeping. It says this, this is what the Lord says Restrain your voice from weeping, and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They'll return from the land of the enemy. So there's hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. Okay, so why is her work of mourning rewarded? Her last actions were to steal idols from her father and hide them. It probably led to her dying in childbirth, and why she was buried on the roadside and her bones are not brought to Hebron or the other patriarchs. What a bizarre verse. Well, fast forward to the birth of the Messiah, Jesus. An angel warns Joseph to take him and Mary and escape to Egypt. So Herod gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under which leads to Jeremiah's prophecy. Again, remember, quoted in Matthew, voice in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for children, refusing to be comforted because they're no more. So Jesus goes to Egypt, where the Israelites would eventually be captive and enslaved. Meanwhile, all the babies from the same region in Benjamin, where Nebuchadnezzar would slaughter everyone, are slaughtered 650 years later by Herod. So are all the promises void? Well, no, obviously. Jesus returns like the captives, And he comes, he grows, and he dies for his people. He literally empties Hades, taking every one of those babies with him. Now, her reward is both complicated and fascinating. Leah's firstborn, Reuben, picks her some mandrake plants. Rachel asks for some, and Leah replies, Wasn't enough? You took away my husband? Will you take away my son's mandrakes too? So remember, there's this battle between these two sisters. Or not, yeah, well, sisters. So Rachel trades the mandrakes to Leah and allows Leah to spend the evening with Jacob and they have a fifth son named Issachar which means reward I want you to think about this especially on this ninth of Av Rachel and Leah have been forced to compete for Jacob's love and children the whole marriage and here finally Rachel learns to celebrate Leah's children and her ability to have children even though she uh, Rachel remains childless a few years would pass, but God would open Rachel's womb. And the lesson is, just as Jesus tells us to pray for his kingdom to come and to seek it first, so we need to seek his will, not our own. And there is a reward. He says, all things will be added to you. And this is the heart that intercedes for the children of Israel. And it's a prophetic picture of Jesus praying in Gethsemane. So he laid down his glory and laying down his life. He was choosing to be childless, right? He finishes this prophetic picture of Jeremiah as his actions of dying bring the reward of not only children, but a kingdom. Now, listen in that respect to Isaiah 53, because he chooses to die, not marry, not have children. He chooses to die. So there should be no future. Well, listen to what it says He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? In other words, no children will come. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the, gr- with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. It's so this unusual prophetic look that ties it all together with this bizarre story of Rachel longing to have children, and all of the patriarch women struggle to have children. But God used mm. that and had that in the midst of it because it all, in the end, ties to this grave, to the birth of Christ, and, and even to that time in Gethsemane, which is not that far from Bethlehem Ephrata either. I am always uh, amazed at how Father is just uh, weaving uh, you know history and his story together in his word, and yeah. uh, we hope you come away with just a renewed desire to follow after Jesus, to to get into the Bible, no wonder it's the best selling book yeah imagine. all time. Great, great stuff. Now we have what one more segment that uh, we're going to do. You got one more, and this is uh, a great way to end because very upbeat. There's uh... God is always redemptive. This day, this morning day, uh, the ninth of uh, Tishah B'Av is the saddest day. And it's followed by the happiest day nah, on the calendar. I'll take that. And it's a day of marriage. God, you know, he's got this perfect story here. We're going through all these things now, but who are we to Jesus in the end? As you read Revelation, we are the bride mm. of Christ. And so we go through morning. It lasts for the nighttime, but joy <laughs> comes in the morning, right? So I'm going to show you how God built that into their calendar, uh, from Tishbaav to Tubaav.